Hello and you're tuned in to Nkosi Sigelela with me, your host Nkululeko Nkosi. And today we come back to you in a different world than the one that we left when I last recorded. Uh, for one, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, all my favorite drinking spots are closed. Smoking is illegal. Um, I'm rehabilitated from smoking for one, so thank the government. And I think all of us have had a taste of what it would have been, uh, how life would have been if NDZ was president. But of course, some things have remained the same. Like, for example, the football world, Arsenal is still Arsenal. Anyway, this is season two of Nkosi Sigelela. And as host, I, com- I, I hope to continue to bring you meaningful and honest conversations about current affairs that impact your world and mine. And to do this, I often enlist the help of my guests who have incredibly clever things to say and help me and hopefully you navigate the world that we live in. And for today, a couple of days ago, I remember I was intrigued by the conversation on the TL, Twitter. and people were talking about savings or lack thereof uh, among South Africans, especially young South Africans. And I think this immediately got me into asking why South Africans don't save as much. Uh, but especially, I think it also speaks about our own debt, mini debt crisis in the middle class. Um, and there's often this conversation about the middle class in South Africa being very fickle and vulnerable to socioeconomic shocks. And to put this in simple terms, uh, it's often said that we, the middle class or the so-called middle class, depending on how you choose to define it, uh, are often vulnerable to if one removes uh, one paycheck from your whole cycle and you're back to poverty. But it's not just soft poverty, but real one. Uh, by real I mean bad like you have to go back home and stuff like it's like from your apartment in four ways and four ways market to absolutely nothing and I think this speaks a lot about how there aren't any safeguards and there aren't any parachutes and especially this leads us to finding out why this is is this a lack uh, in our public policy are wages that low? Is government doing enough to give us those safeguards? And to help me answer these questions today, I have asked Ubandilengiti, someone that I choose to define as a philosophy guru because he was really that good. I think he's still good. I haven't had philosophical chats with him recently, but I, I, I still trust the last one that I had with him that he's still he's still he's still that good. Um, I also think he's an economic activist, but overall um, a great human being. Bandile, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Kulelo. Um I still I still uh, tell people who ask me that uh, philosophy is my first love. It's my first spouse. Uh, and my marriage to uh, economics is more marriage of convenience or uh, <laughs> uh, for social mobility. But um, the spouse that I, I or the, the lover that I go to see uh, late at night, or I hide and go on vacation with his philosophy. And thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I mean, I would have preferred for one to have this conversation 
uh, at Kitchener's, you know, the home of communism. Uh, or at least had a follow-up session there. <laughs> or, or had it at the Pig, which is the home of... of of uh yeah 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 in johannesburg yeah anyway just to get right into it so tell me something do you think there is something called the middle class in south africa is does that thing sort of exist so the debate on the existence and um the size of the middle class has actually been going on um since the 90s um, and it's it's a debate that is very, very difficult to hold um, in a country like South Africa. So just as a bit of background, I mean, South Africa is the world's most unequal society. Um, and so by definition, if you just understand sort of high school um, statistics, um, when you have a, a, a population that has, is so unequal in wealth and income, uh, defining the middle is actually a very, very difficult thing. So measurements like average income um, will give you a very bad uh, prediction of what the middle is. So I do think there is, so obviously statistically there is a middle class. There, there is a set of people that are in the middle of the income distribution. But the concept of middle class um, is not purely... Um, uh, income related. It's not purely like a mathematical uh, uh, calculation. Um, in a lot of the 20th century, especially after the, the Second World War, um, as wealth really increased after the war, um, and uh, uh, because of the economic factors at play there, um, middle class became associated with a set of values um, and having certain material possessions, but also certain values towards education, towards being conservative, towards being, you know, uh, aspirational. And so in that sense, the, the middle class in South Africa does exist um, in the more robust way. So, uh, but, but, you know, but the, defining it in a particular way has been a very, very long-standing debate, um, uh, which I don't think we're going to get resolution uh, in South Africa. But I think maybe to shy away from definitions, but I, I do think a lot of people have always associated the middle class uh, concept to be one that is closely linked to um, stability, to, you know, if you save enough money, if you work hard and just stay in the middle, um, you're somewhat better and better insulated from um, economic shocks. Yeah, so I think that's true. I think um, that definition is a good one, and it's one that's quite common in the South African literature, um, where the middle class is kind of defined as uh, being at a certain threshold away from poverty and having a certain protection from poverty. Uh, and so in that sense, being middle class is being protected from poverty through owning assets uh, or through having a the the assets of your own education uh, and in that sense if you are able to to survive uh shocks um such as covid um through you know being able to sell a house or um changing careers or things like that having an education is one important part but also having a range of assets like 
owning your own home uh, or owning a vehicle or that sort of thing um, is what would put you uh, within the, the middle class. And do you think if we accept that sort of uh, definition or that sort of uh, thinking around the middle class in South Africa, um, it seems as though we also have to accept that in our case, there's a, there's a, a legitimate question uh, on the sustainability and the stability of the middle class. And d- does that also have to do with how much people earn? Because I'm, I'm, I've, I've been following up um, this conversation where I'm not too sure about the stats, but people have been saying that, you know, um, South Africans don't earn that much money to begin with. Uh, only, I think, 50% of the people that are currently working are earning over and above, I think, 11,000, where the rest of the labor force um, comes nowhere near that. Yeah, so, I mean, the stats as I understand them is that uh, the literal middle of South Africa, um, which is the, the wages in the middle of, well, rather, the wages earned by people in the middle of the distribution, called the median wage, um, at last measure is somewhere around, you know, 3.5 to 4,000 rand, um, which is very, very little and does it's only double sort of... Um, the poverty rate per person per month. So, you know, there's people who, who who are, and those people, I think, wouldn't really define themselves as middle class, even though they're really, they are in the literal statistical middle. Um, the figure that you just said, the one around 11,000 Rand, um, you know, it's also correlated with certain forms of professions, um, uh, you know, uh, 11,000 Rand, but also going towards 20,000s or 30,000s. Those are typically middle-class professions, Um, you know, managers and uh, the professional class, teachers, policemen, things like that. But even that distribution is is quite stretched. So if we consider those people um, who have quote-unquote middle-class professions, um, the difficulty there is precisely this issue, I think, of black tax. And I'm sure we're going to get uh, more into it, but it's that even though they earn that amount, um, the expenses that they are faced with, um, expenses related to supporting um, nuclear family and extended family, you know, um, and you might think of from an African perspective, um, it's your extended family, that's just your family. Um, On the one hand, supporting them and expenses related to that, but also um, the process of building assets from scratch, uh, you know, so paying off student loans, uh, that applies to younger people, but paying off student loans, building a house or building multiple households, uh, maybe in a rural area and in an urban area, those sorts of costs often dramatically outweigh the income. Uh, and it's it's that set of, um, that imbalance between income and expenses that causes people to be, um, in the precarious position um, where they are middle class, um, maybe in terms of the jobs that they do, but uh, they don't have the stability that that job should give them. Yeah, and and for me, it would sound like a lot of people who are in um, the labor force 
are somewhat and 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 this maybe goes from um the lowest of income earners to what we choose to to define as the middle income earners and and depending on how you want to define that i think that's immaterial for now but i think if if we accept that it, it it's sort of accepting that people are working to work like people are earning an income in order to not die first and foremost from poverty and then other things will, will will materialize and i think in in light of this then there are fair questions that are being asked about whether or not there are sort of interventions that are put in place in order to want, understand the historical imbalances between um black people women and minority groups in terms of uh economics and not by race and for me it would seem as though we have done very little to at the very least acknowledge that we may come to work every day at the same time but the what what it means for me to get to work um could be very different from what it means to say someone who grew up in a middle class setting uh who parents have um helped out all this time you have no student debt you have an apartment ready for you you have your dad's uh a uh, previous car I think little is ever said about these structural differences between people who grew up well off and people that are entering the the, the labor force for the uh, for the first time. What do you think about that? So I think that's true, and that idea has entered the national sort of debate um, in recent years uh, around you know the differences between people who. do have an asset base um and can inherit your you know their parents furniture and car in order to start off their and so they can be better off when they start off say their working life um versus people who are first time graduates in their families and uh they don't have that sort of um um basis or launch pad to to start their careers um I think it is it is quite a serious problem um precisely because you know uh earning well or getting a good uh economic footing at the beginning of your career is very important towards building sort of long-term uh wealth and intergenerational wealth um it kind of really does matter when you start um uh you know what time in your life you're able to start being stable because it's you can only it's only once you're stable that you can start saving um um and sort of uh then build the wealth that can pull you and your family out of poverty when you mention but then my my other thoughts is that when you mention uh interventions i think it's 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 very very difficult um because when you think of interventions especially when you use the word structural interventions a lot of those interventions um come from the government or maybe are expected to come from the government be it through legislation or through investments uh, of some sort um 
but I think our government is in a tricky position precisely because there are so many poor people, like people who live in abject poverty, that there might not be the fiscal space or the, the, the available funds from the government to actually support people in the middle class. Um, the way most economies work is precisely that it's the middle class that drives the wealth um, uh, or creates the wealth, uh, produces the wealth that gets sent to the government in forms of taxes and the government uses those taxes and distributes it towards poor people as social grants or as you know free healthcare or free um, education at the, at, at, the, at the lowest levels of poverty. But because our middle class in South Africa is so precarious, there doesn't seem to be the economic appetite or the political appetite even to make you know huge investments in the middle class um, because it kind of would be too much of a burden uh, to, to, to the government. Um, but I think the concerns are, are, are very valid and it's one of those uh, very difficult things that you can't really make. I think it's very difficult to make wholesale uh, uh, deep changes and the things that could help would be things on a case-by-case basis. Uh, so for example, um, you know, uh, if you mention something like transport, the answer is, you know, just having a much more efficient, either through regulation or through investments or a mix of both, having a much more efficient and reliable and cheap uh, transportation system um, uh, to, to help those, you know, say new graduates who still live in townships and need to commute into uh, central business districts. Um, on each of these different things, um, you might have a sort of a piecemeal intervention, but it's it's not clear to me exactly what the big interventions the government could use in order to to, to really assist this group of people that um, we're talking to. I mean, uh, as a final point on this, I mean there has been talk of of you know um, regulating things like internships uh, more tightly, um, perhaps like a minimum wage with regards to, to, to internships uh, or maybe making, a legis- making legislation that would prevent um, uh, corporates uh, from requiring new interns to have their own vehicle or things like that. You know, those are the things that we usually talk about on a day-to-day basis, but those are, are very difficult things um, to, to implement precisely because the government itself is constrained and is looking towards corporates um, to drive um, you know, economic growth that, that supports the whole country. Yeah. And I think maybe to, to, to expand a little bit on what I mean by um, structural interventions. And, and I've been thinking about this for quite some time. And I think anyone that um, has interacted with me on Twitter will agree that, I mean, I've said this before that you have a situation where you're in the middle class um, on um, just a bad generalization. 20% of your income is gone. Um, There is another situation where you're expected to carry uh, medical aid, which I think some some employers out there um, have proven themselves to be ridiculous. I mean, someone would be earning 10,000 rands and the expectation is that from that 10,000 rands, you have to have uh, medical aid. Um, so that's that. Um, you also assume that one also lives 
in a in a in a well secured neighborhood and in that well secured neighborhood you would have paid uh, a certain levy towards um the security of that complex or neighborhood so for me it feels like also being middle class uh, is accepting that you expect little or no uh government interaction and by that i mean it's as if people get into uh, into situations where they have a job and after that they're done with the government i mean um i pay tax but i don't use government hospitals i pay tax but i also have my own um what's this private security instead of relying on the police um my kids go to private private hospitals well not my personal kids i have no kids at the moment but uh you know it's 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 it, it sort of feels like and i and i and i get maybe this is what also fuels um some opposition to um solidarity campaigns like the national health bill or national health insurance bill to say that people feel like you know what we're we're in this middle class position we need help uh government keeps taking away from this middle class as a tax base uh but this it feels as if there's very little that government does to sort of really provide a relief to 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 all these people that are thought of to 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 be the the middle class So I think that's true. I think um part of the concept yeah, so as you've said, uh part of the concept of of being in the middle class is to be sort of free uh from the government um or to not use government services because they are usually of a of a lower quality. Um I think um in terms of protecting uh middle class people though, uh it as I've said, it's 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 a it's a very difficult um thing to do because i think the social contract that exists between middle class people uh and the government is usually something like as long as you get the background things right um i'll take care of my immediate needs so the expectation from the government is to say look uh i'll give you my taxes but just make sure things like home affairs government departments work well <laughs> things are quick you know electricity those sorts of things um but for things that are are much more important or where i demand a higher quality um uh it's fine I'll, i'll 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 take care of that myself i do think though there's the south african black middle class um is in a different position to to the south african white middle class generally speaking um precisely because um the black middle class is kind of in transient it's still moving out of the working class which has where there's a high degree of interaction with the government uh, and into you know a, a proper middle class where there's complete independence um and that dynamic i think is 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 is, is quite difficult um yeah I, i think in general it's 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 i even am reluctant to use the, the term middle class precisely because it's so hard to 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 define and so hard and there's so much variance within the south african context that you know i'd prefer you know sort of other terms um because you know the the the, the south african middle class is divided 
um, on racial lines. So I think the black middle class and the colored middle class doesn't have the same experiences uh, as white and Indian middle classes, even though these two groups interact uh, at work and at schools. Um, but I also think there's a major difference in terms of the politically connected uh, middle class or the, the, the middle class that was created by BE, um, which is still much richer then, so so that's like, like a much richer than you know uh, uh, the middle class that is sort of winding its way uh, from the bottom through you know employment and in, in professional jobs. Um, even the dynamics there are, are quite different um, within the black middle class. You know, many people who, who comment on inequality, um, uh, especially those who don't like. The racialized to, to 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 you know the racialized uncomfortable questions. Um, they often note that the black middle class uh, is more divided within itself. So in so intra middle class, uh, 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 well poverty sorry in poverty and inequality between uh, people of the same race, especially within the black race, is higher than sort of the, your general figures. Uh, of poverty and inequality across races. And so even those differences um, mean that it's actually people who are in vastly different positions that um, have different needs and thus would make different demands on the government. Yeah. And I think maybe the question that we're putting to government is that, look, um, we accept that our definition and our reality as black people and black people who exist in this uh, middle class context will fundamentally differ from say white people and i think you put it very well um that it means different things uh, among the different racial groups and you know it's it's for me it it seems as though there is little or no appetite for government to understand what it is that is making people uh, poor. What is it that makes people who on in one year were able to propel in their careers and in another by missing one paycheck, uh, people go back to living in a life of poverty uh, go back to um, a life that all of us are trying to 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 escape, and I don't know if there is a a, a an appetite amongst young people or an, an appetite amongst people who are in this uh, group, this black sort of middle class, to sort of I don't know if organize is the right term, but to sort of have a consensus to say look we're not breathing if 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 we're being honest um yeah we're popping bottles and that's cool we have to live uh but in terms of structural growth in terms of owning assets in terms of trying to build wealth it's just not happening and do you think that there is an appetite for people in that space to sort of want to challenge government to towards uh, providing a pro middle class relief program or even even if 
um, that was done. Do you think, I think maybe my question is twofold in the second leg is, do you then think young people who find themselves in these spaces are able to organize themselves outside of party politics? Because I think we've seen too many of uh, the, 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 I mean, too many of these political parties um, saying a lot of things really, but more or less it's like rhetoric and things like that. But it's like, there is hardly a case that if I would choose myself as an example, as someone that thinks that there should be relief from government, um, I will put my electoral or my needs, my structural needs in the form of an electoral message to whoever's running for um, state power. Those are, those are fantastic questions. Um, I think on the first one, um, around the appetite for uh, relief on this issue. Uh, look, I think the black middle class is kind of, um, as I said before, it's quite varied and um, uh, disparate. So it's, it's, it would be difficult to see what actually the goal of a, 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 I get your question of the challenges they face, but what then the solution looks like is, 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 is very um, uh, intricate. Um, and so it'd be difficult to see, you know, what, what exactly you put on the table um, for these people. There are some uh, sort of relief measures, perhaps um, pressure to, to reduce particular difficulties, you know, issues around uh, the cost of debt, access to loans, access to money and funding, you know, the same old things we, we, we sort of um, uh, find are, is a challenge in South Africa. Um, on the, but on the, so if that relief package, what it exactly looks like, it's quite difficult. I think it's also then um, the, the challenge of appetite. Um, as I was saying before, um, I think on the one hand, um, middle class people perceive the government to firstly be quite incompetent, um, often corrupt, um, uh, but also, you know, there's a sense that um, they wouldn't want to rely on the government. And on the other side, um, the government doesn't really, uh, this presence of the African government, I think, doesn't really see um, those people as its main um, priority, um, both in terms of electorally, but also just in terms of, the, because of uh, the levels of abject poverty and unemployment that we have, you know, these middle-class people who are still struggling, but, you know, do have jobs are not high on the priority list versus people who are struggling and don't have jobs and, you know, don't have even basic sanitation or basic electricity or basic services in that sense. So I think, yeah, there's that misalignment to say, um, yes, in some sense, so from a government perspective, either implicitly or explicitly, I think that government would have to say, look, given the fact that we're stretched and we're a divided society, meaning we have to manage many, many different uh, interests and competing interests, this middle-class group wouldn't be the main group that you know we'd have to, to, to cater to. Definitely around election season, you could make the right noises um, sort of to remind people to say, oh yes, 
um, you young graduates, you only got here through NASFAS or you know some other government um, program in that sense, and you've got BEE that's meant to assist you. You know, you can make those noises maybe during election time and uh, have another generation to 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 guilt, I mean, to put it in a harsh way, to guilt into to voting for you uh, as the present ruling party, but or as the present government. But I think that 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 appetite is very um, will be very low in terms of the other interest groups that need to be catered to in South Africa. Um, and then on the question of organising, um, yeah, I think I think the the only place where uh, people could organise is where they are organising currently, which is you know in industry associations, uh, your places like your um, uh, you know, your Abasa and Absip, black lawyers, black accountants, you know, those sorts of industry bodies are the most uh, organized places. But again, to, to this point, I keep going on, there's too much variety. And I think these people um, have too many different interests. There'd, people, there'd be people who are in the much richer professions who would want different things from the government. Uh, perhaps yeah. even lower taxes, um, low, your more sort of the, the demands of the of the affluent, lower taxes, uh, lower rates. You know, sort of an attitude of government, leave me alone, don't take too much money from me. I'll sort things out myself. And there's people who are at the much lower rung who would say, you know, government intervene, please intervene more, give us better access to education. You know, drop the fees. Um, uh, 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 you know, provide more internships for us, pay us more when you give us government internships, you know, things like that. Um, and so those different groups will organize in, in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. But I think maybe moving forward, there's a need for young people, uh, both um, those who are saying that, look, we need more employment opportunities and those that are saying, yeah, we found a job. Uh, but it is a bit difficult uh, to to propel and and move to the next level. Um, I think there might be a need for both of these groups to realize that in terms of um, systemic poverty, both of these groups are are vulnerable. I think that, that the only difference is, or the only difference might be timing, the occurrence of um, vulnerability shocks and things like that, that at any time, all of us in this ecosystem are always going to be vulnerable. And the only way to escape this is to perhaps have a clear and coherent program that helps people uh, propel to, I think, Another important question that um, I think I picked up from your answers was that, you know, it could it, a case could be made that government is also in need of a reliable tech space, um, a reliable uh, people that will always um, be able to pay taxes. And I think in light of this COVID, um, which is, I'm, I'm sure, a, a new reality for all of us, but... I also think maybe to tie this up with some of the questions that have been um, in the mainstream, such as uh, land reform, I think 
with that one specifically people have always spoken about land reform to sort of indicate or to sort of speak on agriculture and things like that but i think that there, there's been little to to say look we're young people presently we can't even afford to buy houses um the cost of borrowing is too much and if it's not um it's i don't think people there's an appetite for people to get into 20 year uh, mortgage debt but that's a topic for another day but it is to then say that against the spectrum land reform in south africa could also mean um government leases to subsidize i know there are some subsidies but um, you know uh, there are people that even though they earn well but if someone is going to take say 10 grand from your paycheck it doesn't leave you with much uh but so i think maybe to put this in a question form um do you think we have um a sort of public policy framework that supports the sort of interoperability of all these um government initiatives government policies to put them in one to sort of say here's what we're doing as government this is what we're going to do to make sure that you uh propel from us paying for education to us helping you get a job to you getting to own a few assets surely there is a case for people who are thinking like that i think there is but when you ask of the public policy framework i think so that because public policy frameworks are very uh fragmented um and i think you know it's try there was an attempt to unify things in the ndp but even within the ndp there are contradictions um and so you know there's the question of what is the path we're going to use um to to you know create prosperity in the country is it a very state led path where you know the state um through soes and through a lot of interventionist policies um is the one that creates jobs um and creates prosperity or is it a market led um growth path um where sort of the, the role of the governments is to merely create the conditions um that allow for individuals and the private sector to lead um different parts of the south african state um seem to have uh, different philosophies um and it might be even as eccentric um as you know different ministers or different factions within the ruling party favoring different policies and so they, that's part of the question of why there's a lack of a coherent path as to how a young person who is quote unquote talented can have a clear path and know in 20 to 30 years time how they're going to progress in the world um that lack of as i say the lack of coherence comes because uh of of different um factions in society and that's not even a uniquely south african thing that's the case for um pretty much all unequal countries this uh, lack of po- policy coherence is very um well correlated with inequality in a country so brazil has the same sorts of problems um and many other unequal societies have the same sort of problems and so i think you know 
back to sort of what you were mentioning before, things like land reform policy has had a focus on on agriculture, but I think a place where it could have a, you know some of the biggest impacts would be in urban areas. Sixty six percent of South Africans live in an urban area, so if you were to manage land reform much better, particularly in township and peri-urban areas where the state owns land or where, you know, there's big um, corporations that are merely speculating on the land. It's just fix that up and you've got efficient. Um, you'd relieve the burden on many um, uh, sort of um, uh, poor or working class or lower middle class people. I think um, yeah, and, and, and that's a challenge that the, 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 the government kind of needs to sort out, but it's, 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 it's quite difficult to sort out. Um, but on this general theme of what, you know, how you could fix things in order to, to, to empower the middle class people that we're talking about, I think you'd have to sort of decide which, which route um, uh, or, or, or get clarity on the economic path that you want to take. Um, and both of them, both of the two paths that I, I uh, mentioned do require a very ethical and capable state, um, which we don't have on both counts. Um, and you need to then uh, manage people's expectations uh, properly. Um, I do think given South Africa's, you know, um, assets in general, right? So our levels of, of, of uh, mineral wealth and our levels of uh, skills and education and all those sorts of things which at the macro level would determine how fast our economy would grow. I think it does require us to sort of, um, uh, or it does require people perhaps in the middle class in some sense to revise their expectations downwards. Um, I think precisely because we live with so many rich people in this country, the aspiration is to be as rich as the richest people in the country. And I'm not sure um, our economy uh, has the tools to replicate that richness for everyone. I mean, we do have mineral wealth, but our, our mineral resources are also sort of um, now, in the, our mining sector is now on the decline. Um, uh, you know, global demand for, for minerals is sort of not looking as great as it did uh, sort of maybe 10 years ago um, or much longer. So our process, so the point I'm getting at is the prospects for how wealthy people can be in this country uh, are not as great. Um, and so we, sh we would have to revise down those, those, those expectations. I definitely think we should do more and we can do more to lift more people out of poverty. But, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling tentative in this because it really is more of an intuition, intuition or a hunch. Um, but I, my view is that, you know, we sort of, uh, the, 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 the government capacity and general economic capacity um, to produce wealth in this country is on the decline and we'd have to revise down our, our expectations um, in, in that sense. And on that note, Bandila, I'd like to thank you for your contribution today. Um, I mean, we could go on and on and on on this is on this topic, um, but I mean, I'm I'm extremely grateful for this conversation. Um, but I think to sum it up for our listeners, uh, basically, it's not looking great 
Um, it seems as if for you to be rich in this country, either need to be a politician, to play soccer or rugby, um, to enter a life of crime, and then politics and marry the two. Uh, but I, I, I have faith that things things will will, will become better. Um, on that note, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening uh, to you, my listeners, the five of you. And ah, I'm forgetting this last line. Yes, subscribe, like, share, um, and engage robustly, but not too robustly. This episode is still being recorded in Africa. And we're not welcoming off too much criticism. Uh, just joking. Catch you in the next episode <laughs> of Osisigelela. Bandile, where can people find you? Ah, man. Uh, I think they can find me on Facebook. My name is um, Bandile Andilengiti. Um, and uh, maybe on Twitter, if they if they interact with you, they can find me on Twitter um, at, at Bandilengiti. At B-A-N. All right. Uh, Thanks, man. And we are out of here.